The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can find me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. This is a hoop ball presentation. So, as I always say, make sure to check out Hoop Ball on Twitter at Hoop Ball Tweets online, hoop dash ball.com we literally got less than 60 days into the nba season so you know fantasy basketball is on its way our draft guide just dropped a lot of other great content is there the all rookie podcast the fantasy nba podcast it's all available so definitely make the most of that one more time hoop dash ball.com on twitter at hoop ball tweets for today we are continuing our off-season review series and i am pleased excited just overjoyed to introduce today's guest we're talking about both of our, our mutual favorite team, uh, but the person I'm about to bring up here worked with, worked with me on SBC Sports Business Classroom. We talked about that. Uh, was just the, the the major brains behind our entire operation. Uh, really helped us pull that off in a major way. Uh, Josh Heidman, bro, dude, thank you for coming on. Uh, that's how how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad, glad to be here, Corbin. Glad to uh, to talk basketball with you again. Talk Lakers. Uh, you know, it's been, I, I guess, almost a week here since, since we've done this. And, uh, yeah, it already feels like too long. It really does, man. We were just talking about this before we recorded, how, like, different it was to have the experience that we had in such as, like, pressure cooker, in, in, the, in the best way, type of kind of immersion in summer league and with everything we were doing and, you know, waking up at 6 and going to bed at 11 and repeating the process for, like, six straight days. And how when you do all of that and then you, like, get right back into regular life, it's, like, equal parts like cool but also like wow you kind of miss it in a weird way because you were just getting the feel of it you know yeah definitely uh, <laughs> for sure for sure but um, and, now huh and before before we get started on the offseason review i i'm sure that that corbin you know being the, the humble man that he is he's not talking about how much he just dominated oh uh, at sbc and i mean really just you know as 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 someone there just to get to like witness uh, his constant, you know, energy, constant just hitting it out of park. I mean, he talked about kind of, uh, you know, using some, the brains the operation. Well, according was definitely our face, like just absolutely slaughtered the presentation. Best presentation, uh, best performer. I mean, uh, you know, next year going to be an intern, maybe. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's something that's uh, appealing to you. You know, I mean. Uh, you know, I think everybody listening to the podcast, you know, probably can, can imagine, but, you know, just, just want to make sure everybody knows just how, how much he just dominated at FCC and how, you know, everybody just, just loved him and, and the presence that he brought and the energy every day. Uh, wow, know, bro. So I'll, always, always, always a pleasure over here to, to, to get an opportunity to talk, uh, talk to, especially when we get into some, some Laker, some Laker who, you know, <laughs> near and dear to both me and, me and Corbin Pye. Oh man, I appreciate the words, man. I honestly thank you like that. It was such a real experience and just getting even those words from you, it, it means a lot. So thank you for that, man. It, wow. I, but I'm, I'm also like excited, pumped, I guess that same energy to talk about the Lakers. Like this is from the minute we both first, when I first saw you, when you came in, we had the Lakers show, I knew, okay, we we're going to have to make this thing happen. And so I'm excited to kind of get to it because, um, yeah, as a Lakers fan, I mean, we've gone through, uh, whew, I mean, you want to go back to like just 2000, it's been highs and lows, but I'm just saying the last three years, I feel like we've had three different seasons with, I mean, obviously three different seasons, but three totally different rosters. You know, you had 
LeBron coming in and you had the Lakers front office around him with like ball handlers and not a lot of shooting, which kind of went against like what has made like LeBron team successful in the past. I mean, LeBron's going to be LeBron, but just to get the bet the most out of the team, you had guys like Lance Stevenson, you know, Rondo, Michael Beasley, all these other uh, guys and threw them together. And that was an up and down year. Uh, then the next year, you know, you totally turn on his head. LeBron's the primary playmaker. You surround him with like, you know what you should have more three and D type players and physical um, rim runners and, and rebounders. You have AD. That's obviously a major change. You win the championship. Then the next year, you kind of revamp again. You know, you gone as Danny Green and some of the other guys, Avery Bradley, players like that. And you bring in more offensive juice uh, from the bench uh, and from starting, I guess, in Dennis Shooter and Montrezl Harrell. You bring in Mark Gasol for a different look at center. You kind of get rid of the big man rotation that, you know, had you help, helped you win the championship the year before. And then, you know, it, it, it was a lot that went into this last year, um, at least from my own estimation in terms of injuries and especially to your two key guys. But all in all, and it was kind of a disjointed year, ultimately ending in the first round. But that's just my personal recap. I, I, I want to get yours, Josh. Looking at it from, from the offseason of last year, when you first heard of the signs they were going to bring, to, you know, the ultimately un, just very early finish in the first round, what did you think of the year that was for the Los Angeles Lakers? Sure. So, uh, you know, was excited with the shooter deal. You know, I thought that the, the, the thinking behind it made sense. You know, uh, Danny Green, uh, you know, didn't have the best, playoff uh, run and, you know, getting, getting up there. And now you're going to realign it with someone, you know, 80s you know, someone who could run with him going forward. And Schroeder is going to take some of that ball handling. Now, I also, when I when I heard it, I thought Schroeder was going to be a perfect compliment to kind of come off the bench um, and kind of lead that second. And, and, you know, immediately he kind of comes in and says he's starting and, and you, know, we, you know, debate whether that came from Lakers front office and Schroeder. But, you know, from kind of just from that point, it didn't work out as well as, as anyone was hoping. But you know, it's, you hit on it, and 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 that's the other thing from 2019. Was, you know, injury. You know, LeBron got hurt. He was growing in 2019, and the season. You know, the season up until then, like we were, that team was kind of just just fine its stride. And, and then you know, Christmas Day game, you know, beating up on the Warriors, and and hurts like growing, and it's just. You know, it was kind of kind of over at that point. And same thing here, you know, the with LeBron and AD healthy, first part of the season, you know, everything was going kind of, you know, along pretty well. And then, you know, AD gets hurt, LeBron turns his ankle, uh, Schroeder gets, you know, COVID, doesn't get vaccinated. I mean, you know, that's you know, one of the most expensive decisions not to get vaccinated. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it came down to injuries and, and three point shooting. You know, down down the stretch, um, you know, LeBron got got healthy enough, um, and you know they beat the Warriors because LeBron made a you know thirty five footer, um, and <laughs> and you know, but when it against Phoenix, you know the, the three point shooting wasn't there. Uh, Caruso, KCP, uh, Kuzma, all those guys, you know, who had shot, you know. 36, 37%, which, you know, those were the only guys on our team. Um, you know, Schroeder just, just wasn't bringing it. I mean, you know, the 0.0 for nine game, um, and maybe first one out. Uh, so it was, you know, just a combination of, of, of injuries, bad three point shooting, and ultimately poor roster construction. Ultimately, we can look back now and say that that Schroeder was insane. That, you know, that, that team with, with an extra game green for, for defense and three point shooting purposes and another, you know, young guy 
uh, coming in with that first round pick, you know, it's probably better. But, uh, you know, just, you know, you take it all in stride with, with getting that, that chip in, in 2020 um, and just really did feel like kind of, you know, one just uber long basketball season that seemed to stretch from uh, the beginning of the 2020 uh, year that we just kind of finally getting up to, to take it through there. So, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, you still got one, one ring, um, you know, hopefully uh, Lakers, you know, utilize this nice long off season. Um, but, you know, any, any year that you, that you have LeBron and you don't win the championship, it's going to be disappointing. Uh, that's kind of the, the, the blessing the curve that you bring to, to the LA franchise. And, Honestly, that's that's how it should be for, for the Laker franchise. You know, we're not we're not hanging up Western Conference uh, championship banners. We're, we're looking to get eighteen, and uh, and and then every year we don't. It's, it's it's a disappointment. But I think that when you look at it in the context of twenty twenty, um, you know, you take it. Uh, it was a weird year. Uh, Giannis was kind of just the last helping and standing. You know, he you know, did that knee tweak and just didn't seem to to, to bother at all. But um, you know, I think the, the injuries, you hope everybody can, can stay healthy. You hope AD can kind of just be healthy going forward and not kind of constantly you know, worried about every time you get down on the floor. But, um, mm-hmm. but let's, uh, let's get into this offseason. You know, like, there's yeah. there's some, some big, uh, big, big stuff. You know, we talk about, the, you know, the Schroeder trade being kind of there. You know, there's a, there's a lot of talk, you know, in the offseason, what was going to happen. They're going to resign. Schroeder for, for the, the 84 million that they offered them and, uh, you know, uh, lots of different trades on the table and they decided to, to kind of make a big splash. And I know you're a big Westbrook guy. Uh, I know that you, you love him as a player. And I think it, it, you know, it must be a difficult position for you to be there because it's easy to love Westbrook, uh, when he's not on your team. So I, what I'd love to know is how you feel about the Westbrook trade, about him coming and, now, you know, I'm rooting for Westbrook now. He, he's on the Lakers. He's, you know, he's my guy now. Uh, I obviously have some, some issues that we can get into, uh, you know, after you get a good take. But, but I want to know, as a Westbrook guy, uh, how it feels now having him on your team and having to, to kind of deal with all those, you know, some of the some mental mistakes and, and some of the other deficiencies that, that, that he has that, that aren't as easy to gloss over in some area that potentially cost me some money. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, so it is, I mean, you kind of already went into just how, I guess, interesting is the word that it is, because it is, I mean, I've been a Westbrook fan. Honestly, I I, I mess around because I'm such a devout guy for him, but, like, I only became a Westbrook fan in the year 2017, like, right when the whole thing about KD leaving and the optics around that, I was like, you know what, everyone's jumping on this guy, like, I don't get it, that's my guy, you know what I mean? I'm 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 going to take his back on this one, and... I mean, he rewarded me with the MVP season. So, like, after that, I was like, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> and honestly, like, through that were the ins and outs and ups and downs of being a Westbrook fan. Because you're right. Like, in terms of, obviously, his style of basketball, his passion, his energy, it's all apparent. You know, what he does on the defensive side of the ball is also apparent as well as, you know, the bad shots he takes and um, the bad shots he keeps taking, despite not being a great three-point shooter, you know, taking a, a good uh, majority of them. So, like, I got all that. And I understand it, and I respect that criticism. I just didn't care, you know? And it was, like you said, easier to be a Westbrook fan and, you know, be a fan of my team, Lakers, because their paths to success in my book weren't 
linear. You know, they weren't, they didn't all lead to the same road for Westbrook, have a strong season, you know, lead a bad team to the playoffs or, or have a, a decent first or second round outing. And, and that's a good year for Westbrook for the Lakers. At least once LeBron came, you know, championship or bust, you know, and like even last year, I was rooting for Westbrook with the wizards knowing that. Okay. Uh, it's probably gonna be a hard stop in the first round. Uh, if they made it at all. And then I was happy that they did and that Westbrook led them and, you know, to a certain extent had another triple double season. You, you got the whole package with him yet again, you know, the bad shooting, you know, um, up and down roster, also a roster that wasn't exactly optimized around his strengths. I think that's something that's never really brought up when we talk about Russell Westbrook is like, he never plays a team full of shooters or a team that kind of gives him the room to kind of work around with exception of the half season he had with the Rockets. So I look at all of that, but at the same time you see, you know, a, a relatively small yet impactful team success as well as a playoff run. And that's, that's all I really wanted from them. It took a game and that was literally all I hoped for. So it was easy to put that aside and then we hope for the Lakers to get past Phoenix. You know, I, I didn't like the Andre Drummond addition from the minute it was talked about. So hoping that he would find um, a way to wreak some havoc with AD, despite having all evidence to the contrary, you know, I, I had all these thoughts there um, tying it all together. Now it's, it's complicated. Because a lot of things I was willing to, to let Westbrook be, you know, while still being a fan of his, I don't necessarily want him to do anymore because that directly impacts my own team's success. So like, okay, you know, Westbrook going to eight from three. All right, Westbrook, you're not a three-point shooter. You know, you know that. Everyone knows that. You just choose not to believe it. I really wish you wouldn't shoot so many threes. That was one thing to say, you know, and if he does, whatever, no big deal. Just something I'd rather he wouldn't. Now with the Lakers, now, nah, man, like you can't, you got to stop that. Cut that out your diet. You know, there are other people who can handle the ball. Uh, one of the greatest of all time on LeBron James, others who can at least shoot a little better. Like you have to rein in your game and maximize your strengths. And now it is a little more, I don't want to say worrying, but as Westbrook goes, so does the team, you know, now they are, mutually dependent on each other in that way uh and so there is a little bit of concern there is a little bit more trepidation i'm still gonna be a fan of his even if he was the reason that we you know flame out but now i have to actually think about that like <laughs> the westbrook signing as big of a player as divisive of a player as he is kind of derail us in a way because and i talked about this in um before just in my westbrook philosophy like he is a player that you have to kind of build your team around and for the most part, that's okay, depending on what team it is, as long as you don't have, like, super high expectations, because I don't look at him as the best player on a championship team, as much as I like him. But you also have to conform your team around him to a certain extent for whatever success you may have. Now, with the Lakers, you're not forming your team around him any more than you have to, which is to bring shooting in. You're forming your team around LeBron James, who's the best player there, and then Anthony Davis, who I put as the second. Not best player ever, but just second. So... It's it's different. I guess I say all that, Josh, to say that it's complicated um, and that I'm hoping for the best from Westbrook and the Lakers, but I am a little more worried and can't be quite as carefree as I was when they were on different um, divergent paths. Yeah, and so, you know, I like Russ. Um, you know, he's, he's a fun guy to watch, but I, I was not a, a Russell fan, um, <laughs> you know, before the trade. Uh, and so I just, I don't like it. I think it's a bad thing. Um, you know, there's there's good aspect of it we can get into it but you haven't heard anybody uh you know lots of commentary nobody everybody acknowledges it's not a good fit and, and you know so it, it, it really is you know raw being kind of a, a star fucker and, and trying to, to put a, a round tag in that square hole and and maybe if you can do it you know that's going to result in the championship because they're you, you get to the fact it's a great thing that Russell bring to the table but it's it, 
it just feels like it's trying a little too hard here and uh, trying to kind of, you know, uh, just go for talent at all costs um, and not not taking into account kind of fit and and just salary. Just the, the $44 million that we're, we're paying Russ and constraints that, that brings down a lot to the other um, But, you know, you talked about it earlier, you know, about the, the three different LeBron teams. Right, the, the ball handlers in, in 19, the, the, the defense and big guys in 20, and then, you know, the, the, the shooters and, and Schroeder in, in, in 21. And what I think we've seen is the way you build a team around LeBron is you get guys who can play great defense and shoot the lights out of the ball. Yeah. Um, and neither of those are Russ's strengths. He's not, he's not great uh, at defense. You know, he's got some good counting stats, but He's got, uh, you know, way too many defensive lapses, way too many kind of just non-involvement in the, in the play defensively. And, and you know, you, you'd hope that Bogo won't stand for that, um, and that between LeBron and AD both being kind of committed to the defensive end, they be able to hold him accountable there. But, you know, we just haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen that rush he's engaged um, as, as much as he is on the offensive end, on the defensive end. Um, from a shooting standpoint, he's horrible. He, he is the worst volume shooter in, in the NBA. I, I don't know maybe in the history of the NBA, but in terms of over the last, you know, three to five years, he is, you know, last of the last the guys who are attempting a bunch of threes and a bunch of jumpers. What I would love to do is to have, you know, sit down with Russ and, and explain to him, he just needs to play like Giannis played in the finals. You know, uh, if you look back at, at, at what, uh, Vogel did uh, in the Houston series in 2020. They just dared Russell to shoot, and he just shot and, and missed enough that you know that, that we won that that series kind of going away. Um, obviously, he was you know coming back off an injury, wasn't hundred you know, percent. But the, the fact is, is that like when teams give him that shot, he feels insulted, and instead of kind of you know continuing to move the ball or attacking the hoop, he uh, he just kind of takes that shot and just just doesn't make it an eye. Uh, um, you know, and then another kind of concern I have is one of Russ's best attributes is, uh, is you know, creation on offensive end, creating those corner threes. You know, he drives and, and kicks it out, and, and he looked throughout his career, that's just been a lot of the points off the tip that he gets. And I don't know who we're having who's standing there in the corner. Um, there will obviously be some lineup where Ellington's out there with, with Russ. Um, but, you know, I don't know if it's in the starting lineup, if it's going to be Baysmore or, you know, if you're going to see AD out there, I, I just don't know who's going to be the guy, who's going to be your Joe Ingles, who's going to be uh, your PJ Tucker, the guy who's just, you get it to him wide open in the corner and it's, it's money because throughout Russ's career, that's, that's kind of been a, a large part of, of what he's been able to create on the offensive end. Um, the, other, the other thing is, is on the fast break, right? He, he's going to be running. Uh, that's a great attribute that, that Russ has. Um, but our, you know, our AD and, and LeBron committed to running every play. You know, I love, yeah. I love LeBron, but he's, uh, he's you know, he takes the take time coming up the court. <laughs> he, he's getting there. He's getting to that, uh, that, that, that Chris Paul more deliberate kind of style, right? Yeah. No, I agree with you on there for sure. I, I, I guess that leads me to a question. I think we probably asked right now while we're, while we're kind of actually, before we do that, we, you said you weren't a fan of the Russell Westbrook trade, and I wasn't 
compared to the trade that was initially on the table. That, of course, being the Buddy Heel trade, I think you would have lost um, definitely Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell as well as the first rounder, but you would have kept Contavious Caldwell-Pope and gotten in Buddy Heald. Um, people who did support the Russell Westbrook trade or weren't a big fan of Buddy Heald did point out the contract that he's on um, and the fact that he really just brings shooting. But what was your thoughts on that deal that did not go through? Did you prefer that to the Westbrook trade? Did you not like either, but just didn't like the Westbrook trade as well? What, what were your thoughts? No, I like the Buddy Heald thing. I was uh, yeah. I was actually down in, in Carlsbad, uh, waiting in line at a place called the Taco Stand. So uh, great, great tacos there, big fish tacos, big fish tacos. So if anyone uh, in Carlsbad by uh, San Diego can check out the, the Taco Stand. Okay. Um, but the, uh, but I, I got I got the the, the Shams alert, uh, the Woj alert on on the phone that. That Trez had opted in, and it looked like the, the Buddy Heel trade was going to happen. And, and I loved it because uh, I thought, you know, as much as the fit with Russ is bad, the fit with Buddy Heel is great. Uh, he's not uh, a great defender, but he's a, a high talent guy. He is an elite high volume three point shooter. He is one of those guys who, if you have him fit in the corner and you get him 10 open corner shots, he's going to make seven of them. Um, you know, and he's a guy who can compete it up in three, um, and you know, it's shown that he has the ability to, to, you know, to really bring that scoring punch, uh, you know, either on, on from the bench or, or in, in the starting lineup. And he's, yeah, he's making $20 million, but he's making it on a declining contract. Um, so we're down to, to, 20, ah, that's down to $18 million in three years, and you know. Russell Westbrook making 44. So when you when you look at it in the context of uh, you doing the buddy heel trade, but there's all of a sudden that gives you more money to resign Alex That gives you more money to go get in Eric Bledsoe, who we saw the last few days is clearly available for nothing. Um, yeah. He's going to take on his contract. Um, so I thought that the buddy heel trade was a great fit because it's given him a really uh, elite uh, high volume three point shooter. Uh, he, you know, stock was definitely down. Um, you know, he could rehabilitate him. He value still kind of, you know, up, up through the roof and uh, give you money to make some other moves. Uh, and, you know, especially if he could have done that, if he could have gone back, you know, to the, to the Kings and worked something out, giving him you know, two seconds or something, check 22. Um, you know, there were some guys there at 22. I'm sure you were, you were doing some draft scouting. Uh, like I was talking before, you know, when we were looking at 22, and there's, you know, some guys that I like a lot, you know, Garuba, Cam Thomas, Josh Christopher, like all those Thomas guys. Thomas would have been, yeah. Were available there. So, you know, when I, when I look at it from the standpoint of uh, Russ is better than Buddy Heal. He's, he's more talented. He's got more higher upside. But uh, would I rather have Buddy and KCP and, you know, potentially, you know, Cam Thomas? Um, and, and Eric Bledsoe over Russ, you know, that's, I, I think, you know, or, or, or signing, re-signing Caruso in there, I think that's really, you know, more to me also what kind of left that, that bad taste in my mouth on the Russ trade was, it, you know, we were doing a, a trade that seemed like such a good fit and then reverse, reverse course and, and did one that just, you know, still got a lot of upside. Russ is still uh, the best player uh, of, of all the guys that we talked about, you know, by far, like you know, his talent, uh, you know, the former MVP. Uh, nobody, nobody denies his, his basketball chops, but 
you know, it's a team game. You have LeBron, you have AD. Uh, I think, you know, there, there might be some better fits there. So I, I was really in favor of the Buddy Heal deal. Um, I think that was part of why I'm so down on, on the Russ deal. I didn't know that that deal deal was out there. Um, no, we basically made a record like that. I feel the same way. But um, what about, what about you, Corbin? Were you uh, were you pro on, on the Buddy Hill thing? What, what about when you first heard about Buddy Hill, and then you know, I don't know if it was 10, 15 minutes later, uh, <laughs> just like a, a quick, abrupt face. Oh no, actually, they're not doing the Buddy Hill deal. Yeah, that's exactly kind of how it felt. To be honest with you, man, I um. Like I said, like Russell Westbrook, but I knew we needed shooting. It was readily apparent. We saw how many wide-open threes the Lakers missed in the first round uh, against the Suns. And so you bring in one of the better three-point shooters out, and you also don't have to get rid of one of the few, I don't want to say reliable. I mean, he's reliable in terms of season averages. He's going to get you like, can't tell you called what Pope is, at least. Going to get you like, you know, I want to say 36, 37% from three. He's going to have like tremendous slumps during that time he's gonna have also have like great peaks during that time but he's still reliable in terms of playing good defense knocking down a decent amount enough of threes to give you that, that sort of spacing um and he also was injured during the first round so i didn't really put it all on his head in terms of the performance there if you're able to keep him just get rid of Montres harrell who i actually liked in la but just didn't like the role and that's fair and get rid of Kuzma, who I like Kuzma. Kuzma's good. He actually, I think I loved his rededication of defense and the way that he was able to become um, more of a kind of do-it-all kind of gritty role player. But his offensive game kind of completely deserted him. And so if you're able to get rid of just those two in a pick for Buddy Hield, while the pick would have been nice, sure, I take that. And then you keep a, a solid rotation player in Contavious Caldwell-Pope, one of the few connectors to your championship team that is still able to play at a high level. And I think he works better with this squad. Um, instead of giving up all of that for Russell Westbrook, who, yes, way more talented, I'm sure, than everyone just mentioned, but comes with those significant words as well. Um, when it fell through the way it did, I was like, wow. I mean, again, the Westbrook fan, it was a shock wave of emotions. Actually, I do a live show uh, for the draft uh, that I was already scheduled to do for the first 10 picks. Um, at least that was my segment. And I was just like, still stunned by the Russell Westbrook trade. Like, I was like, yes, but also like, whoa, you know? And I thought a lot of it went down to how the Lakers filled the rest of the roster around him, which I, I guess is a perfect segue to the next question I wanted to ask you, which is, what do you think is the ideal starting five for the Lakers? I mean, obviously, you have three players who are entrenched. You didn't bring Russell Westbrook in to make him a selective starter. He's in, LeBron's in, AD's in. Only question really is what position AD and LeBron are in. Is that center and power forward or, or the more uh, traditional for them, small forward and power forward alignment? And then if so, who are you bringing around them? And for right now, like in my mind, ideally in a perfect world, it's Russ, it's Bazemore, it's Ariza, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. Or I would do Russ, Baze, uh, LeBron, AD, and Gasol. Uh, what what do you think about not only that, that lineup but your own like ideal lineup for these guys? Yeah, so uh, I guess there's one thing we can agree on, uh, which is that you know we want to see Bays starting. Uh, we want to be see him in that lineup, give him an opportunity to take those KCP minutes, be that three and D guy. Uh, you know, love what I'm hearing from him um, at the press conference uh, about you know coming in wanting to earn minutes, uh, kind of the exact opposite that that you heard that you know. From, Sure, they're kind of coming to me. Sorry, you know, wants wants to kind of be in that competition. Love when guys take less money. 
uh, to come play for the chip. Uh, it just means you know they're, they're putting their money where their mouth is um, in terms of how important it is to them um, and, and feel like you just get a little bit extra fight, a little extra chip on, on the shoulder from those guys. Uh, so, so, you know, really like the Baysmore signing. I do see him in my ideal 35. Um, you know, Ariza, you know, he's love Ariza. Uh, always, always think back, you know, very, very, you know, fondly to that, that 2009 championship team yeah. and, and all that, that he did to help um, kind of, you know, take them, you know, really great. You know, I think shot like 50% of three points that, that, uh, that line, just, just kind of unconscious um, and, and, you know, playing great teams. And so I always have a special place in my heart. Happy to have him come back, I guess, as, you know, a veteran guy. He's going to hopefully be not washed and give you some defense, but he's, he's, he's three. No, he's D no three at this point. You know, his, his <laughs> three point shot is, is, is not where it used to be. You know, I, I hope Laker fans, you know, acknowledge kind of what version of Trevor Reza we're getting to. Um, that's, if you can get some good minutes out of him, uh, defending some, some wing players, um, and having to, you know, being involved in the offense that's great. Expecting to come in and hit some threes, I just, I don't think realistic. That's why he's not uh, in my starting lineup because in any lineup where I do have Russ on the floor for the most minutes, I want to make sure we're going as kind of four out as possible. So I don't really want to have two non-feeders. Uh, so Gasol would solve that, right? Because yeah. Gasol is, is actually a pretty decent uh, three-point shooter. Uh, there's some reports from, from Mark Stein yep. uh, last two days that maybe he's not as committed to coming back to the Lakers as, as he said. I, you know, I was actually surprised when he came out after the same thing that he was coming back. I always thought maybe that he was just going to retire. And, and you know, clearly the, the drumming thing didn't kind of rub him the right way. Yeah. You know, even though Powell has a long history with the organization, um, and Mark was you know, drafted here. I, you know, I, I just think that, that maybe he you know, just didn't want to do it, just doesn't want to do it or doesn't want to do it in, in a place where he's kind of, a, you know, an afterthought. And, and, and that's fair. So, you know, but also, you know, for, for, for me, I, I want to see either AD or, or Russ at the five on the new lineup, a lot, you know, just from a, from a spacing standpoint, we can get there. So I think I'm, I'm going to go with Baysmore and Ellington. Um, because I, I just want to get another elite three-point shooter. You know, I think our most elite three-point shooter out on the floor. Um, I think that lineup has enough defense that I'm not really worried uh, you know, about, you know, Ellington's defense is, uh, you know, not greatness, let's call yeah. it. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but with, with Baysmore, Braun, and AD all out there, um, you know, I, I think you can have one kind of suboptimal defender, and I, I'd rather get more shooting in that lineup. Uh, to me, that makes it less need, less likely that you need to have AD kind of just operating out there on the three point line. With you know, love for him to come back and really have confidence in that shot again. Um, look like he looked in 2020 to get play out there and, and be a threat from three point range, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want them operating, you know, closer, closer in there to the hoop. And, and so, you know, to the extent that you're going to have Russ out with those lineups, um, I want to have, you know, as much shooting as I can get there. So I think I'm going with, with Baysmore and Ellington 
one, two. And then, you know, I, I think my my alternate would be going with, with Kendrick Nye. Um, and I'd love to see Nunn come off the bench. You, you like get, get into it, but there's a you know a big issue between Nunn and, and THT and kind of just being able to find minutes for both of those guys. And if neither one of them are starting, you know, how do they kind of both play in, in that bench unit and get that run? So, you know, maybe I go with, with Nunn on uh, the starting lineup and, and the kind of same same kind of thinking where he's going to give me some some better three-point shooting than, than Ariza, and uh, I can I can kind of shoulder some of the defensive limitations there because I, I'm, I'm playing with A.D. Rodgers. That makes sense. That makes sense. Just I like the fact that you pointed out a little bit on the updated Ariza that we're getting and, and how – you know, he's, he's not the, the same player that he was, and, and I guess nor should he be, a decade ago. You know, um, yeah. bodies change, people age, games change, things like that. But speaking of that, I mean, there's a lot of folks. We uh, we probably should run through everyone here. Um, I mean, this is one of a few late. I, I've, I, I've been talking about these Lakers, man. This has been I, – I, this is the team for me, and I try not to let this be the Hoopball Lakers show because we already have an amazing one that does that. Um, but in terms of – all the moves that were made. By the way, check out Hoopball Lakers. Just they've been keeping up on this from day one. Uh, really good content there, y'all. But in terms of who's out and who's in, I mean, we, we already talked about some of the uh, the returning Lakers from years before. Uh, we already mentioned, but Trevor Ariza, uh, Dwight Howard, of course, coming back not only for the third time, um, but the second in as many years. Uh, remember, we, I like to forgive the stint he had in 2013. That that never happened. Um, but you also have Ken Bazemore. Um, as well as Carmelo Anthony, Wayne Ellington, you already brought up. Um, of course, we, we brought back Taylor Horn Tucker. Um, Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk are a little bit of that infusion of young talent. Um, and then you have Joel Yayi and um, Austin Reeves on, on two-way contracts. So you look at all of them, and I guess my question for you, I mean, from this, you have vets, you know, have guys who've been on the league for a while, or, or youngsters who um, have definitely flash potential uh, over the last couple of years in, in Nunn and Monk. Who do you think is going to be outside of LeBron, AD, and um, Westbrook the most important Laker by season's end? So I think it's going to be Baysmore. I think that uh, because what he brings to the table from from a defensive standpoint, he's going to be the guy who's most likely to be in the broken line. So you know we can talk about the starting lineups and. We can juggle it around to get more shooting or get more defense. But, you know, when what Vogel has shown um, over the last few years is that when, when it comes to his closing lineups, he, he, he needs guys out there that he can trust defensively um, and, and sometimes that as a detriment to the offense. Um, and so I, I think that Baysmore is that guy who has kind of the, the, the closest, you know, of, of being able to, to provide both. You know, really solid defense on the wing, and you know, plus thirty-eight percent of all three-point shooting. Um, you know, whereas you know, you have your 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 monk and and nine who you know you're hoping to get your offense out of, um, but probably not expecting to get a lot out of those guys defensively. Um, same thing with Ellington, except just even more so. You know, he's coming in, kind of being almost that uh, Macklemore. Um, type of guy, right? Just a gunner coming in, going to take some some dribble handoffs and just, just drill a bunch of three pointers. Yeah. And then uh, you know a reason we talked about that that's that's your guy, that's your other defensive wing guy, uh, Mello. Uh, you know, same thing. He, he's coming in to 
hopefully hit that 40% that he hit last year in Portland and, and play that role of just buckets off the bench. But you, you're not really expecting, you know, if you get average defense out of that way, um, you're, you're happy with that. So for me, Bazemore is the one guy who kind of has that potential to, you know, sell on the offensive and defensive end. Um, and I think that given his defensive chops, he's most likely to be the guy of all these guys that we're talking about who gets the most minutes in the, in the closing line, in the closing five. So uh, he, he's probably my number one. And then number two, you know, I, I, I like Monk um, and like a lot of the same things, you know, saying you paid more about, you know, taking less money for the opportunity to come here. And, and certainly he had a you know, great, uh, you know, last season before he got hurt. Um, but I, I'd say I'm going to go with none, too. I think that, you know, uh, you know, as much as I'd like to say THT, uh, I think he's still kind of growing into that role. And none, you know, has been in the league the same amount of time. And, you know, it's been five years older than him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's shown that he can, you know, score and put up points. Uh, you know, consistently against NBA defense, you know, did it, you know, for, you know, look at his career averages in Miami and, you know, obviously, you know, got, got COVID and just never really came back to that, that heat team in the finals, but, you know, it's shown, you know, at least across the regular season that he can, he can put the ball in the basket against NBA defense. So, you know, I think that, that, that having him come in and kind of be that scoring punch and attention or, um, especially when, you know, you're probably going to have a lot of benches that still have one uh, rush or AD or, or LeBron. You know, just having, having three stars allows you to stagger stuff where, you know, you can, you can go an entire game without having any, anyone who two guys off the court. And so, you know, I think that, that none's a guy who can get that scoring punch with those guys and kind of, you know, team up with them and, and, and be that difference maker. So, so I'm going to go with Baysmore one. Uh, and none, two, and then three. I'm going to go with uh, someone who's not on the Lakers roster right now, um, and that's someone that they signed with one of these extra rosters, possibly happen or or a buyout guy. Okay. You know that, that we're going to go into the season with 14 guys. They're going to have at least one roster spot open for for a potential buyout guy. Um, you know, uh, we, can, we can get into some of the guys that are sniffing around. You know, the Isaiah Thomas, Collins, and Mike James. They want to get a third point guard in there. Um, you know, Mark Stein was, was reporting some stuff on Jakar Sampson and Tim Frazier today. You know, my personal uh, choice would be, you know, James Ennis, uh, who's still an unrestricted free agent. Um, if he's willing to, to take the minimum, we'd love, love to have him just have another kind of 3 and D type guy uh, just, just on the roster, you know, to the extent that, that you're not getting what you think you are out of the loser or mellow. But, I think there's gonna be there's gonna be a guy who comes onto this roster who's not there right now, uh, probably through a buyout. You know, maybe a Kevin Love. Um, you know, maybe you know some some of these other guys, some of the guys who have traded the deadline and get bought out. And I think it's it's gonna be an attractive situation. You know, in, in Brooklyn now with those three guys and Patty Mills, you know, there there still are some some you know potential trend shots and stuff that that, that the Lakers can offer. It. Living in LA and playing LeBron is, is you know pretty appealing as well. So that's 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 where I'm going to go with number three. What about what about you, Corbin? What's 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 your your thoughts on these auxiliary signings? 
Okay, so I, I like the way that you did that. I was really cool. I like, especially that third part of, of, of being a player to be named later, because it's very possible on this team. And just like last year, you know, you can offer a potentially significant role um, alongside a group of guys on a starter or a starting role on a team with, you know, significant championship aspirations. So I'm with you there. I think my first guy I look at, I am like maybe extremely high on Malik Monk uh, this year. Uh, I think that he's someone that doesn't need a lot of space to get a shot off, really is improved. Uh, he shot a career high 30, 40% from three point range last year. Uh, that was Charlotte's second most efficient three point shooter on the season. Uh, he's an athlete in terms of getting around the court. We've seen his dunks. We've seen how well he can score. Uh, he's actually not that bad as a little bit of a playmaker and definitely some of the great players off of isolation scoring. And then lastly, this is um, from NBA.com, but he scored 20 or more points in eight of the 40 games he appeared in, had 17. 20 point games in his first three seasons combined. So there's hope that he may have turned a corner and is really now that kind of guy who can fill it up quickly, you know, and on a team that, you know, we have offense. I think defense is something that's going to be the issue, but offensively having a guy that can do that and also have some juice at just, you know, 23, I think that's a tremendous um, asset to have on the team um, in terms of what he brings to the table from that perspective. Um, the second one, Wayne Ellington, to me, and I'm keeping in line with the theme of shooters, I think the Lakers have had shooters over the years who have come with the pedigree of shooting and not actually delivered as expected. Um, this goes back to, like, Reggie Bullock, but, you know, you've also had uh, KCP up and down through the years. Other guys who come in, like, okay, Danny Green, who come with the with the the, the perception of them being knockdown shooters. And although they did Dennis Schroeder came in last year, you know, shooting 40%. Oh, yeah, I, that's true. Now, my job, <laughs> I think you and I both were in agreement that, that we didn't think that was, like, a long-term thing, but you're right. Like they came in off of strong three-point seasons and whether it's something in the water or the Staples Center or whatever the case may, that, that may be, um, they fell off dramatically, um, each in their own different ways for their own separate whatever reasons. But in this case, I'm hoping that Wayne Ellington can continue to keep that going. Uh, this guy is 38% three-point shooter. You know, he takes what? The last five seasons, he takes almost six a game. All of his threes are assisted, so, you know, he's going to feast off the kickouts from Westbrook and LeBron and AD in the post, and all we have to hope now is that he knocks them down. Uh, and then my third guy is Kent Bazemore. Uh, I think it's about him being consistent as a three-point shooter. He's kind of been all over the place. You know, he shot 40% from three last year. You talked about that just a little bit ago in terms of the guys who come in with strong three-point seasons, but he also had just had a couple seasons ago shot 32% from three, um, and he's kind of all over the place with that. And you also are looking at him as one of the best guys to bring that three-point shooting and also bring some defensive um, attention alongside Ariza for your wing players. You know, you don't have a Kawhi this year, but for your Durants, for your Paul Georges, uh, for players of that ilk, he's going to be someone that's going to be relied upon to give the Lakers something on the defensive end as well. And I'd say more so than Ariza um, because the three-point shot is a little more consistent than that. So those are my three players for sure. I guess I can make an outside look for a player that can be brought in. Although I will say that my difference is I don't think it might be mid-season. I think it might be maybe a Paul Millsap or one of the guards they tried out. I, I would hope maybe not. I want Isaiah Thomas because I want a feel-good story. I don't know if I want Isaiah Thomas on this particular iteration of the Lakers. Yeah, uh, Isaiah Thomas got a raw deal. Danny needs really, really good. 100%. Um, you know, and, 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 and all that guy went through, you know, definitely want to see him get a redemption or, uh, But I agree with you. I, I just, you know. This isn't the not, team. Not, not on this team. Um, you know, the, with the team, this team doesn't need a, a 5'9 guy who, who, who can't. Yeah, exactly. Can't play D and, and uh, the offensive game is coming gone. I hope he gets better. I hope he does get a shot. I just don't see where that would be on this squad. Agreed.
But yeah. uh, I'm not gonna not gonna let us get off of the, the Laker offseason move without us discussing <laughs> uh, the one move which is still has me completely bummed out, uh, and that is uh, letting Alex Caruso uh, go to to the Chicago. Yes, not matching that. Uh, that Tell game. us about it, bro. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you look, you know, we, we just look, look at the exercise we just went through, Corbin. You know, we're talking about guys who are going to be in that starting lineup, the guys who are going to be in that finishing lineup. You know, uh, one of the things that we were talking about missing KCP, KCP has proven he could play in the fourth quarter finally. You know, he, hit, he could hit big shots and, and be in that position, and, and, and we knew that. Uh, same thing with Alex Crusoe. Alex Crusoe, you know, that. That's the big move that Vogel made in game six to get the heat, you know, starting out Caruso. Um, you know, you look at guys who had the best plus minus the two-way players with LeBron. It was Alex Caruso. And I'm not talking about with the Lakers. I'm talking about anyone that LeBron has ever played with. Yes. There's nobody that has a better plus minus with LeBron than Alex Caruso. You know, just he does all the little things. He's not, you don't, this team doesn't need another guy score, but you know he, he had a little bit of a letdown in the playoffs because he you know shot 40 percent from three yeah it was on low volume but he, he made them when he you know he made 40 percent he got to the you know got to the rim everybody knows that the kids got some food like showed an underrated in between offensive game underrated kind of facilitating playmaking uh you know you, you're not going to want him to run your offense but you know always able to kind of Make that that next hockey pass, um, and kind of you know shuttle the ball around the, the perimeter. And in terms of perimeter defense, I mean, he's second to none. You know, we saw what Drew Holiday did in this final. Now, I'm not going to sit here and and say that Alex Caruso Drew Holiday, but if you look at their yeah. defensive stats, like Alex Caruso is up there in the 98, 99th percentile for perimeter D and. You know, it's the same thing that the eye test is showing you. you know, what happened in the Phoenix series, right? Mm-hmm. Shooter was getting eaten alive by, by either campaign or, or Chris Paul. And, and what was our answer? We put Caruso on him. That, that was our kind of counter. Um, I don't know, you know, that we have a guy like that on, on this year's team. You know, hopefully, Baysmore can kind of fill that role. But we don't have a, a perimeter stopper on, on B, on, you know, and, and – I just felt like Caruso was just like, he was the guy that we scouted. We brought him in through the G League. You know, he was our defender. Like, he came up, was on a two-way. You know, we played in the G League. Uh, first G League guy, you know, to, to start for, for, for the Lakers, you know, in the final game. Um, you know, got, got up, uh, you know, fan favorite. Uh, yep. And just, just, you know, didn't seem like the contract, you know, three, three years uh, you know, 30 million, I, what, what reportedly, uh, he, the, the, he's gone back to the Lakers and was willing to take him. And the Lakers said, no, you know, seven million's kind of the line with him. And just to not want to pay that extra three million. I know there's a luxury tax. So I know that that extra three million is an extra 15 million. But, you know, this team hasn't gone deep in the luxury tax since they've gotten LeBron. Uh, LeBron has, only a few peak years left. You know, this, this guy is, is amazing, but um, at some point, you know, it's, it's, this is going to be his age 37 season. You know, at some point, he's going to not be the same level of player. And 
to not maximize your championship uh, kind of window with him um, when it's just money. Um, and there's not like a, you know, this isn't that they use the salary cap to get another guy. And, and, and that kind of is, is part of the reason that the, the Russ could kind of still think for me is just the, the idea that we're, you know, paying Russ 44, but we, we couldn't find it in some pockets to, to pay uh, Alex. Which is sad. Yeah. Which is sad. And, and, and I think, you know, you know, you can argue about the value, but, you know, it's, you'd like to see a guy like that and a feel good story get paid. And get his get his bag, and uh, it just it, it it felt it felt wrong for us not to be the one giving it to him, um, especially when it, it just seemed like it was a, a cost cutting decision. And maybe they don't value him uh, as a ten million dollar player, but he is an asset that, that the team had, and, and from an asset management standpoint, to just let him walk and not get anything in return, you know, I'm okay with it with, with Schroeder um, not doing the signing trade, not getting a, a trade exemption, but. Uh, the Caruso thing, it just, it left, left a really bad taste in my mouth and just left, the, you know, uh, you know, as much as I, I want to have faith in the, in the front office because I, I, I love the Lakers and I'm saddled with the decisions that, that I'm going to make, uh, you know, it doesn't give me a, a lot of confidence when the team that says they're all in, you know, all of a sudden doesn't step up to the plate uh, and make that financial commitment when you see teams like Brooklyn and Milwaukee you know, the LA Clippers, you know, all you know, sporting hundred million dollars plus luxury tax payments. Um, so, uh, where, where where are you coming out on this this one? Are you, uh, are you as upset about Caruso as I am? I, I wasn't as upset because I, I will say this: I was upset because of the optics of it. You know, obviously someone's a fan favorite, but someone who's had real value alongside LeBron, um, someone who um, could have been retained for nothing but money. You know, and we're talking about the Lakers here. So, like, I just didn't see the reason not to. I'm, I'm not a biggest. I wish he was better of a shooter, you know, and I think his defensive um, aptitude works well in great matches. But I think the ones that we necessarily need help in in terms of bigger players obviously can provide. Also, him not really being a point guard as much like a game manager. He almost reminded me of like a, a worse shooting, like Derek Fisher type guy. You know what I mean? In terms of he's not someone like you, okay, here, run the offense, but he's someone who plays well off of others in that way. Um, I felt like we need to address the weakness of having a guy who can play without LeBron. And I guess if Westbrook was that guy, then you can bring Caruso back and be the same guy that he was, the same role that he was. Um, the fact that that wasn't done was kind of disappointing in the sense of like, yeah, while he might not be my personal favorite player, he's still a tremendous player um, that would have given the Lakers something they absolutely don't have right now, which is like any type of like regular defender, especially among the guard position where we already know Westbrook's limitations there. Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn have both been known for their lack of defense than, than having any. Um, and you're kind of looking down the bottom of the barrel. If you're, if you're looking at Wayne Ellington, if you consider Bay's more guard, he's more of a forward, he'll, although he will be guarding guard. So I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> Basically, I just, I, I thought that the opportunity was there. Lakers could have had it. The fact he went back to them shows that the opportunity was on the table. And the fact that Lakers said no, it, it, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, oh, but, uh-huh. any, any thoughts on the, the last roster spots? Anyone that you want to see? I would like, yeah, on the squad, I would like Paul Millsap. I think he's someone that can play that four, play that five position, gives you a little bit of shooting, kind of helps with that with that depth in the big man spot, but someone who's probably more um, suited to, like, space the floor, bang around with AD, 
in a way that only Dwight Howard can do the former, but I mean the latter in, in, in banging around, but maybe not the former and spacing the floor. Outside of that, I mean, if Darren Collison's available, I mean, that guy, you know, has been retired two years now, but uh, he could shoot the three ball really well. Solid guard. You know, he was in line for a good payday before he abruptly retired. So you imagine, you know, coming in playing spot minutes because, you know, you wouldn't just go from nothing to just everything would be tremendously helpful for him um, and for the Lakers as well. I mean, he's someone they've been pursuing. So I think those two are, are, are guys I would like on board. Um, but what about you? Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, James Ennis is a guy, a 3D guy. Uh, this is Mac Biombo, just getting another, uh, another kind of, you know, Dwight Howard type kind of five guy, you know, even if they're not just starting just to kind of come in and, and give us some size, uh, especially if, if some of these Gasol are really going to be a true level, so, you know, we, we like to just kind of Dwight, um, and maybe get the five. Uh, so, you know, maybe with another, another backup bag. Um, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind going in on even the two two open roster spots um, and going, going getting getting out of camp at thirteen. Keeping that uh, flexibility. Keeping that flexibility. You know, you can get guys like you know Reeves and Naya. They, they want to come up and, and, and play in a game or two. Um, you know, even even some of the two way guys. Uh, I think that that's fine. And uh, I think you know, getting that flexibility to kind of see. Uh, how the season plays out and, and keep that back. I, I just don't think there's a lot of minutes for for guys. And, and you know, one of these roster spots are looking at placing is a Jared Dudley roster spot. You know, a guy who's just kind of a, a team leader, raw raw guy who's not going to be contributing. So you know, if you can't get a guy who's you know doing an elite skill, so if there's a guy who you know there's a, there's a shooter. You know, I guess JJ Reddick's still out there. Um, to me, he, he's a little old and a little, a little too vulnerable on the defensive side. But, you know, a guy like Millsap would give you some additional front court depth. Uh, so that, that would be something that would be interesting. You know, all these guys coming in, and you know, if they're willing to come and sit on the end of the bench and know that, that they may not get the game time, I think that's kind of the key, making sure they're going to fit from the standpoint of that they're going to buy in and do what it means needs to happen to, to make this championship run. Um, and I think you've heard that from all these guys who've signed so far, but, you know, it, it's top in coming in as the 13th guy um, when you used to kind of get, get me that 15, 20 minutes um, and it's going to and now you see me go, you know, two or three games as, as a BMPCD um, and, you know, just making sure that you're comfortable with it. You know, we saw that with Gasol, just, you know, he, he clearly, you know, has his own feeling for him. You want that competitiveness from guys, but you also, especially for these last roster spots, you need to make sure that you have that your body uh, to kind of do what needs to take to, to get us get us to the goal, which is uh, you know, you know, championship and make that anything. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely there. It's definitely within play, man, for sure. And I'm excited to see kind of where they go with that. And I guess it kind of brings it more to a wrap. How do you feel about the Lakers' outlook moving forward with this team? Um, is it, I mean, obviously, the, 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 the end goal is the same, but do you feel the Lakers are, are best equipped for that? You have a Western Conference that is kind of wide open. Um, you know, where, where do you see L.A. kind of fitting in? Uh, I see him, you know, at the top of the Western Conference. I think if, if LeBron and, and AD are healthy, I think that's, you know, where you start from in, in many of these conversations. Um, and if that's the case, this is going to be a championship team. And then, yeah, you put a guy like Russ, who isn't a great fit, but, Still have so much basketball talent. Uh, you know, 
I'm I'm worried about it in late stage playoff games. I'm not worried about how it's going to work in the regular season. You know, I'm worried about teams not guarding Western three in the Western Conference Finals. In the finals. You know, I see this team definitely uh, getting to the Western Conference Finals. Um, I think that you know they are going to definitely be at the top two or three seed uh, in the West. You know, I think you know the Jazz are a great regular season team. They're, they're bringing those guys back. Um, Phoenix is obviously bringing most their guys back, and, and a lot of times you see a bump from some of those young guys. You know, the, the Booker's and the Charles Bridges, uh, the DeAndre Aitens, you know, from a final run. And they yeah. actually kind of come back and take that, that big step up. So, you know, I expect Phoenix to still be there. Uh, the Clippers in Denver are obviously going to, I think, take a step back with the fly and Jamal Murray. Um, you know, Portland, who knows what's going to happen with the game and stuff. <laughs> Um, you know, so, you know, the, I, I really see the Lakers in that top tier with, I think, you know, Utah and Phoenix as kind of like a, a, a pretty clear top three in the West. Um, I'd put the Lakers number one. Um, just, I, I think that when EG and LeBron are healthy, um, they'll yeah. find a way to make it work with what Russell wants to in the regular season. I still think. Um, they're probably behind the Nets just in terms of how those other three guys kind of, you know, still fit together a little bit better, uh, you know, at least offensively. Uh, that team is just, you know, got a lot of firepower. You, you really didn't get a chance to see them fully healthy last year. Um, but if they, you know, they stay fully healthy, um, you know, obviously they get and now it's something to come in and they can accomplish that. But, you know, that team plus Patty Mills, plus Cam Thomas, I mean, they may, they may score 130 points a game. You know, yeah. Um, so, you know, if you're looking, you know, I think, look, I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances. You give me a healthy LeBron, um, and Anthony Davis, and I'll, I'll go to war against anyone, but I'd say, yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm going into the season like a lot of other people expecting to see a, uh, a Nets, Laker game on, on Christmas and then a Nets Laker game in, in the finals. Um, I think you know, I like it. Shot, but probably going to go in the Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with you there. I think that the West is the Lakers for the taking. Uh, you know, Russell Westbrook is definitely going to bring that intensity and push them from an energy perspective in the regular season. He does that for all the teams he's on. So you can imagine that will continue uh, here with the Lakers and we'll kind of see how the rest of the team works around him. Um, you know, hoping for health among the veteran players and, and just seeing where it goes. I think Christmas obviously going to be a big game as far as a barometer for some of these guys and um, obviously potential finals preview. But, you know, I learned from last year going in, we, we kind of got to see a little bit how it goes. We're definitely not going to jump to extremes. Um, but this Lakers team obviously was built to contend. I think they have the roster necessary or, or, or necessary um, at the bare minimum to get to that level. Uh, a lot depends on what we see from LeBron and AD and their health, but I am encouraged, you know, and I think I'm with you on that in terms of them uh, definitely being a top three seed in the Western Conference this year. And then from there, who knows? That's why we watch the games. That's why they play them. It should be a lot of fun. But, um, bro, I, I got to tell you, Josh, thank you for coming on here. Before I let you go, all first-time guests have to do this, so I need to get it from you. And I feel like we're talking about it um, at Sports Business Classroom, but I need it for the pod because that's just how it goes. Uh, I need your top five favorite players. And this is not like, you know, you know, just LeBron's or, or, or Kobe's or Jordan's, unless those are your favorite players, of course. This is just like your top five, like I call them the hoop vibe squad. Guys you just like to watch, 
or liked to watch and they're your favorite and they're on your team. So like I tell everyone, mine is, you know, Michael Beasley, Monte Ellis, so Charles Sprewell, Terry Rozier and Russell Westbrook. So funny. He's on the Lakers now, but Josh, what is your, your all time, your hoop vibe squad? So yeah, my, my all time one. And, and some of these guys are, you know, I'm, as you know, Corbin, I, I'm, a, I'm a little older than you. So. <laughs> I go back, go back a little bit. You know, number one is, is the guy that made me work out for the Lakers. That, that's magic. Magic, all and, right. The Magic Johnson, you know, beautiful, beautiful basketball player on the court, just running that Showtime happen. You know, you're a little bit older like me, and you grew up uh, watching those Showtime Lakers. Uh, it was, it was just, just such, such a joyous, just joyous expression of, of basketball. So, so he's number one. Uh, number two is, is my guy, Kobe Dean. Uh, yep. you know, uh, just not just from what he brought from a, from a basketball and a Lakers standpoint, but what he brought from the work and the process standpoint. I mean, that guy, you know, as gifted and athletic as he was, was also the hard work and the guy who's going to make sure that he was in the gym 20 minutes before you and left 20 minutes after you. So, uh, just, just always, you know, RIP Kobe Bean, but always go to go to work. And uh, number three, like I said, uh, just coming from, from a little bit older gener- generation, like the is uh, Nick the Quick Van Exel. Oh, okay. Uh, my guy, just kind of taking me through the, the early '90s, um, you know, up kind of bridging Magic and uh, and, and the Kobe Shaq years. But uh, that guy, you know. Taking, taking down Gary Payton in the first round uh, in 95, just a lot, a lot of great memories of that guy kind of being with the precursor of just the, the, the quick point guard who's going to just stop and, and hit, hit a bunch of threes in the eye. Love to, to, to kind of watch him. So he, he's on my squad. Uh, number four is, is Jokic. I just, just absolutely loved him. Loved him since he came to the Denver five. You know, them getting rid of Nurkic was, was a great move to kind of just free up him to give him the space to operate and do that. That focal center, and, you know, I don't think we've seen a, a, a center kind of offensively just dominate playmaking like that uh, ever. I mean, you know, we, we got, a, got a season or two of our Vegas development back in, in Portland days in the late 90s. But this guy is just, you know, you know leading the league in assists from the center position and, and just making every pass, hitting every top jumper, hitting every three-point shot, and just, you know, offensively just really doing everything and just taking the game to, to a new level last year um, in terms of, of that MVP season. Um, but just, just absolutely love watching him play basketball. Love to see a big man kind of you know, passing out his toes. So, you know, um, so, so he's number four. And then uh, number five for me, once again, kind of going back to some uh, 90s ball guys like that is uh, Larry Grandma Johnson. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, I like that one. Just watching him, you know, as a running rebel and, you know, be, and then you know, going to, to the Hornets with Muggy Bogues and, and Lonzo Morning, got those, those teal and purple starter jackets, um, the, the, the Reebok <laughs> bug eye, Larry Johnson, you know, the the family matters, grandma did. You know, it was he was just he was all over the place and, and, and that was my guy. Um and then transitioned into you know the L train uh with that four point play with, with the Knicks um over the paper. So uh yeah, 
That's, uh, he, he, he rounds it out. So I'm going with, with Magic, Kobe, uh, Van Exel, Jokic, and Bad There it is. I like it, man. That is a solid top five. I like your style. I like a mix of retro and, and classic in there as well. Um, Josh, man, thank you for coming on and giving me a lot of your time just talking about the Lakers, talking basketball. We have to do this again for sure, my friend. Yeah, happy to. Uh, Definitely, man. Always, We're gonna always, always glad to talk basketball with you, brother. Hey, man, it's an honor to have you on. And, bro, like I said, it's going to happen again. So I'll, I'll reach out to you, uh, fans. Y'all know, stay tuned. You see how deep Josh goes. Like, the dude knows his basketball. I can tell you from firsthand point of view, salary cap by none. So for, I, I have so many ideas already, man. Yeah, we're definitely going to get you on. Thank you again, Josh. Awesome. Bro. Definitely. Uh, and then listen, make sure to check me out on Twitter at CorbinMBA. Check out HoopBall on Twitter at HoopBall Tweets online, hoop-ball.com. Uh, listen, y'all, if you can, rate, review, subscribe, Round Ball Ramble. I'd appreciate it. Just show it some love. I uh, was trying to see where this thing is going, trying to get more guests on, just have great basketball conversations like the one we just had. So definitely make sure to do that. And aside from that, y'all, listen, for Josh, for myself, we're Frosty. Y'all say Frosty. And I'll talk to y'all real soon. All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.